0: welcome to my two cents podcast wrestling highlights of the week you know why you're here you're here to hear about what happened this week within professional wrestling and let me just get on with it on monday night raw the first thing that happened was braun strowman went up against mace and t-bar and then it turned up into a tag team match because drew mcintyre came out to make the save for braun strowman basically a rehash of what happened last week at the beginning of monday night raw in the end, it would be Mason T-Bar coming out with their hands raised up in victory by countout. The next thing that happened on the night was New Day and Damian Priest going against the Miz, Elias, and Jackson Ryker. Miz, Daniel Broughton, Miz, Jackson Riker, and Elias end up losing the match to New Day and Damian Priest. And in the match, they had a callback to the Mortal Kombat film that just released last Friday when Damien Priest tried to sweep the leg of The Miz and The Miz jumped up and he laughed at Damien Priest's face and then Damien Priest was able to hit the uh, leg sweep uh, with his other leg, basically give him a, a fake out. Okay, And then after that, Charlotte Flair came out and had a promo last week. She was suspended, but this week, She came back on Raw because Sonya Deville, the assistant to Adam Pearce, who makes the matches in WWE, she came out with Charlotte, and Charlotte was reinstated. She was fined $100,000. She paid that off, but she had to deliver an apology to the referee of the match last week, and she apologized to the referee, and and the referee ended up admitting that he made a mistake and told Charlotte to her face that if she that if he would have saw Rhea Ripley interfere in her match, he would have made it clear that Charlotte was the winner. So Charlotte told Sonya that the referee just admitted that he made a mistake. So she demanded apology from the referee. So the referee ended up apologizing to Charlotte and all was well and good. So Charlotte is back on Monday Night Raw and she is well, here. Uh, next thing that happened, Sheamus, he issued an open challenge. And yet again, Humberto Carrillo came out. And he this time, he attacked Sheamus before Sheamus was able to get the attack on him. And Humberto left uh, standing on top. Sheamus basically retreated. The next thing that happened, Lashley and MVP were backstage. And they found out that Braun wanted a match with Drew McIntyre la- Drew McIntyre later in the night and if Drew Braun Strowman will win his match with Drew McIntyre he will be added to the triple he will be added to the WWE championship match at WrestleMania Backlash that's a dumb name for a pay-per-view but I'll roll with it he will be added to the WWE championship match between the, um Braun no no Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley So, MVP and Lashley talked about how it wasn't fair that Braun is able to get this opportunity, but they will be at ringside just to watch the match happen. Then it led into a Matt Riddle promo where he talked about uh, him being happy. He got the win over Randy Orton last week and such and much. And then Randy interfered in the interview and he told Riddle that, Listen, I respect you some ways, but i done some thinking and I thought about the tag team, RK Bro. So let's try it out. I talked to Adam Pierce and I got us a match. We're going to see how this goes. So, next thing up was Riddle and Orton going against Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Riddle pins Shelton Benjamin, and throughout that whole match, you had. Corey Graves basically saying on commentary, listen, Randy is a snake. He was going to strike. And even after the match, after Riddle and Randy got the win over Cedric and Shelton Benjamin, Corey Graves was saying, okay, and he's about to strike now. And then when Randy didn't strike, Corey Graves had to wait a couple of seconds and say, okay, how about now? He was still like anticipating Randy striking because Randy has a history of being a loner turning his back on the people that's supposed to be watching his back. Randy's just basically a double-crosser, so Corey Grace was basically making it known that, hey, Riddle shouldn't be trusting Randy. Riddle's going to get set up for a big strike, and it didn't happen. The next match of the night was Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax going against Naomi, Lana, and Asuka. Naomi... Lana and Asuka ended up losing against Rhea Ripley, Shayna, and Nia Jax because Nia Jax got the pin on Lana. The next thing that happened was Alexa Bliss had a promo, and the main point was of the promo was is that she is coming to wrestle soon and that people will be feeling her wrath because of her newfound power with this doll, Lily. This is a stupid storyline i wish they would just have her go back to her old character because now unless they have the fiend coming soon i can't i don't know if i'm going to be able to really like pay attention to it because the only thing that's making this thing even remotely interesting to me is like okay when are they going to bring in bray wyatt back when is the fiend going to have his little uh tussle with alexa because wwe has now started to uh, bring themselves to, okay, we're going to do intergender gender matches on special occasions. So I don't know if they're going to do a Fiend going against this Lily uh, alternate character for Alexa Bliss down the line. I'm not sure, but that's what I'm thinking. But that was her main promo. Alexa basically said that she's coming to wrestle and that she's going to hurt all the other women on the roster. The next thing that happened was Charlotte... Uh, beating Mandy Rose by pinfall, and she had the same referee that she apologized to in that match, and she made sure that the referee didn't screw up in this match, and in the main event, Braun Strowman beats Drew McIntyre by pinfall, because Mace and T-Bar interrupted in that match, which led uh, Braun Strowman to hit Drew McIntyre with a power slam to get the win, so now Braun Strowman is Added to the WWE Championship match at WrestleMania Backlash, so now it will be a triple threat match: Braun Strowman, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania Backlash. Now on to NXT. We'll open the map? We'll open NXT was Mercedes Martinez going against Dakota Kai, and Dakota Kai was managed by the NXT Women's Champion, her friend Raquel Gonzalez. Mercedes Martinez ends up getting the win by DQ because Gonzalez attacks Mercedes Martinez because Mercedes wants a shot at the NXT NXT Women's Championship. And she's made it known that if she wants to go after Raquel, she knows she has to take out Dakota. So since she couldn't take out Dakota because Raquel got at her from DQ, Mercedes is going to have to try a different approach to this. More to that hopefully later down next week. We will see. The next thing that happened was Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart had a backstage interview and they were interrupted by Frankie Monet. And during that whole words between Frankie Monet, Shotzi Blackheart, and Ember Moon, Ember Moon and Shotzi received flowers. And Frankie Monet grabbed the name that was on the flowers and read it. And said, oh, this is from Dexter Loomis. And Ember Moon and Shotzi got creepily, creeped out by it. And that was the end of that segment. The next thing that happened was Grizzly Young Veterans had an in-ring promo. And they were calling out MSK, saying that MSK will do every other match except a tag team match against the best tag team in NXT. And as they were going on their whole rant... Tommaso Champa and Timothy Thatcher came out and they interrupted Grizzly Young Veterans to let them know that they are still on the chase for the NXT Tag Team Championships and that Grizzly Young Veterans got a leg up on them whenever they had to fight against them at the Dusty Tag Team Classic a couple months ago. And in doing such, Thatcher grabs the microphone and he proceeds to tell... Zach Gibson that he sucks and while he told him he sucks Tommaso Ciampa punched Zach Gibson's tag team partner James Drake and that led into a brawl and in the end of that brawl James Drake and Zach Gibson those are the two guys that are named Grizzly Young Veterans that's their tag name they retrieved they basically went to the back and tried to uh keep their composure, and try to regroup themselves while Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa state claim to the ring. Now, after that segment, the next segment was Drake Maverick and Killian Dame had a backstage interview, and Drake Maverick found out that Killian Dame and Drake Maverick would be going against Imperium, and Drake Maverick had no idea that was happening, and he felt, uh, basically stabbed in the back, but like, he was paranoid because he mentioned in the backstage interview that he saw he has watched wrestling so much that he knows was likely to happen. Either Killian Dame is gonna turn on him and join him with Imperium, or whenever they're in the ring and it's heated in the ring, Killian Dame's not gonna be there at the corner. And that was he was basically paranoid so much. And Killian Dame basically had to calm him down and say, listen. You just gotta have a little bit of faith. And that's how they ended that backstage segment. The next thing that happened was uh uh backstage but like a character um segment by himself, Isaiah Swarp Scott, he was in his DJ like studio and he challenged Leon Ruff to a false count anywhere match next week. So next week on NXT you will have Leon Ruff going against Isaiah Swerve Scott in a false count anywhere match. The next segment after that was Tony Storm going against a rookie, Zeta Romari. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, so I'm just going to call you Zeta. Zeta ends up beating Tony Storm with a shooting star star press, and basically that led to a pinfall because Zoe Starks, who Tony Storm, who has been having a conflict for the past couple weeks came out and distracted tony storm what led to zeta hitting tony in the face and giving zeta the opportunity to hit her with a shooting star press to get the pinfall the next match was austin theory going against bronson reed and if bronson reed beats austin theory he gets a one-on-one uh, championship opportunity with Johnny Gargano For the NXT North America Championship down the line um, During the match Dexter Loomis comes down to the ring Because the way is out there managing Austin Theory Dexter Lumis is just Walking slowly And Indy, Black, Indy Hartwell Sees Dexter Lumis and she's Walking away because now she feels hurt Because she saw the uh, Backstage Segment of Ember Moon and Shotsi Blackheart receiving flowers and having Dexter Luma's name on it. Indy Hartwell is smitten with Dexter. So when she saw that, she's now feeling crushed and everything else. So this leads back to Dexter Lumen's coming down to the ring. And he's just stalking her, but not really saying much to her. And Indy Hartwell ends up getting in the ring. Dexter gets on the apron. And Bronn, no, no, Austin Theory runs to the ropes, and he doesn't see Indy there. But Dexter sees Austin Theory coming, and he pushes Indy out of the way, and he takes the hit from Austin Theory, which led to Austin Theory basically getting himself hit in the back by Bronson Reed, and Bronson Reed going up to the top rope, hits him with the tsunami, which is a basically a big body splash from the top rope. And Bronson Reed gets the pinfall. So now, sometime down the line, you will have Bronson Reed going against Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. The next thing that happened after this match was MSK and Kushida had a backstage promo. And MSK thanked Kushida for watching their back when they came into NXT. And Kushida told him, hey, it's okay, it's fine. We're both good. We're coming tonight to beat up Legado del Fantasma, and that's it for that promo. Next match was Imperium going against Killian Dame and Drake Maverick. Imperium ends up getting the win by pinfall, but during the match, you had Alexander Wolf who's managing Imperium, and he has the chair, and on the outside of the ring, Killian Dame is next to Imperium's side, and the referee's too distracted at the time, and uh, Marcel Bartel is telling Alexander Wolf to hit Killian Dane with a chair, but Killian Dane, not Killian Dane, but um, Alexander Wolf is hesitant of hitting Killian with a chair because he and him and Dane have connection and history from being in a group called Sanity in NXT in early 2016, like the summer of 16. 2016. So, no, 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 2017. I'm sorry, I got my years wrong. 2017. So now you start seeing the cracks being molded into Imperium. So whenever they got the win over Dane and Maverick, they go up the stage. You got Bartell. You got uh, Alexander Wolf, And then you got the other guy. And they're doing their salute. And... The two guys, Bartel and Fabian Eichbar are and Fabian. There we go. I'm just gonna call him Fabian. Fabian and Marcel step in front of Alexander Wolf, and Alexander Wolf steps back in front of them. Not in front of him, but like all in unison in an equal, equal uh, lineup. And then Bartel and Fabian walk up again, and it's starting to show you that Fabian and Bartell are going to start trying to get Alexander Wolf out of. Imperium, and throughout the night on NXT, you had uh, Cameron Grimes go to a jewelry store, and he wanted to buy the most expensive watch in that place, and he ends up getting a watch, it looks nice, but in the corner of his eye, he sees a watch in his face by a guy, on a guy's wrist, and the guy's wrist, and and the guy that's um, the watch is on the wrist of is Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase makes a smug comment, saying, "Nice watch, kid," but it's not the richest watch in the store. And he flings and he shines the watch in um Cameron Grimes' face, and Cameron Grimes is furious. So now this is Ted DiBiase's second time besting Cameron Grimes in the battle of riches. Um, the next segment was Blackheart. And Ember Moon were going to have their uh, women's tag match against Robert Stone, Brands, um, Jessica, Kamea, and um, Aaliyah. But this time, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell attacked Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon before the match could even start. So the match doesn't ever start at this time. The match has basically been canceled. Because Candice and Indy put a beating on Ember Moon. And so Soblad bad that the referee didn't allow it. So that match got canceled. After this you had a sit down interview with Adam Cole. Adam Cole's whole point of the interview was that Kyle O'Reilly was good on one night. But Adam Cole has been good for the past four years at NXT. He has held the NXT brand up on his back for four years. And that nobody in NXT knows NXT is best as Adam Cole, and that Adam Cole is the greatest thing in NXT. And he's told the interviewer that whenever he wants to go and go after that NXT championship, he'll do so. But right now, he's not finished with Kyle O'Reilly. So his main focus is basically getting back at Kyle O'Reilly. And after the interview was done wrapped up, you saw in another room somebody watching that interview, and the camera panned over. It was Kyle O'Reilly watching the interview of Adam Cole talking. And this is telling you that it's going to lead up to somewhere down the line, probably a couple weeks from now, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly yet again having a square off and fighting one another. And the main event now is MSK and Kashida going against Legado del Fantasma. That is Santos Escobar, Raul Mendoza, and Joaquin Wilde. Legado del Fantasma beats MSK and Kushida, and it was a great main event, I mean, the last couple minutes was dominance by Legado del Fantasma, because they have been a three-man unit for about a year now, almost a whole solid year, just another couple months, but this is basically telling the story that, okay, MSK and Kushida, they're a great three-man team, but they do not compare to a team like Legado del Fantasma. And after the match, you had MSK and Kashida all laid out, um, some in the ring and some outside of the ring. And now you have Legato holding up the Cruiserweight and the NXT Tag Team Championships, basically letting it be known that Legato is here to take back championships. And that you you are seeing your next Cruiserweight champion, your tag team, and your NXT Tag Team Champions. That was the big selling point at the end of NXT. Now, with AEW, the first match in AEW was Brian Cage versus Hangman Page. But before that match could even happen, Hangman Page was attacked by Team Taz, Ricky Starks, Will Hobbs, Hook, and Brian Cage. But the Dark Order did come out to make the save um, and run Team Taz away from Brian Cage and Hangman Page. So now you're back to Brian Cage and Hangman Page. But before the match can even start, after Team Taz and Dark Order are now away from the ring, Brian Cage powerbombs Hangman Page on the stage. And Brian Cage then throws Hangman into the ring. And a couple seconds later, Hangman has to get his jacket off. He has to get himself adjusted up. And he agrees to having a match still with Brian Cage. Brian Cage ends up beating Hangman Page by pinfall. So now, Brian Cage is the first man in AEW of 2021, year 2021, to beat Hangman Page. So now we're going to start seeing probably Hangman Page's ranked drop a little bit because Brian Cage beat him, and Brian Cage get on the ranking list because Heyman Page was the number one contender for the AEW World Championship, but now since he's got beaten, we'll have to see how that ranking system goes. After this match, you had a backstage promo from the Elite who they were in a uh, limo, and you had the Young Bucks, Don Callis, the Good Brothers, and Kenny Omega, and Kenny Omega did the talking for the promo, basically saying that John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, they're nothings. We're not afraid of them. You guys tore down our uh, trailer. So now we're going to send out Michael Nakazawa to beat up Eddie Kingston. So now later in the night, you have Michael Nakazawa going against Eddie Kingston. After this segment was done, you had the Seidel brothers going against the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks beat the Seidel brothers by pinfall. And in this match, not to outdo, well, basically to outdo Damian Priest's uh, spot with The Miz on on Monday Night Raw. You had the Young Bucks of Matt Jackson performing the Johnny Cage split uh, punch to um, Matt Seidel's brother, uh, Mike Seidel, I believe that's his name. I'm sorry for butchering your name, my guy. Um, yeah, you had <laughs> Matt Jackson hitting the Johnny Cage split punch to Mike Seidel. Yeah, that's his name, Mike Seidel. And with that, it led to the Young Bucks getting the win. And the SCU came out and told them that they don't like the new version of the Young Bucks. They hate these guys. They don't know who these guys are. And that we are next in line. We said that whenever we lose our next match as a tag team, we will split. And we are coming for those AEW World Tag Team Championships. So, on the horizon next, you should be seeing SCU going against the Young Bucks somewhere down the line. The next match was uh, Penta with Alex uh, something going against Orange Cassidy with Trent. Orange Cassidy ends up getting the win over Penta by pinfall. In in the closing segments of the match, you had Trent giving Orange Cassidy a microphone, and Orange Cassidy hits Penta in the face with the microphone to get the win. Now, after this match, you have the parlay between the pinnacle and the inner circle. And this was a great segment. And in this segment, you had MJF telling Chris Jericho that during the mat, no, he told him this, that he's going to say thank you right now because Chris Jericho did hold all the weight of AEW whenever he first got here and that he was the guy and that AEW wouldn't be a success or wouldn't be here without you. But now lately, we can see it all in your face. You are being tired and it's beginning tiring. So I'm here and my family's here are here to take the crown off of you and send you away and you can go about your business. And he told Krederiko basically that me and my family are here to beat you guys and take your spot as being the top guys in AEW as a faction. But things started to get a little bit rowdy whenever FTR started to speak. Now you had Dax and Cash talking. Cash told Santana and Ortiz that we don't want this version of Santana and Ortiz. We want the ruthless guys, not the lap dogs of Jericho. And Dax told both Santana and Ortiz that I know you guys got families. He told Ortiz, listen, I know you have a boy at home. And Santana, I know you have a girl. And once he mentioned Santana's daughter, Santana started losing his mind. He told him, watch your mouth. I'm telling you one time, one time only right now, watch your mouth. And if you see this promo between just those two, you can see that this team really wanted to get it on. You can see Santana really wanted to just throw everything to the wind, start this fight right now. But Ortiz had to calm Santana down and Jake had to calm Santana down. So as that's happening, you now have the, idea that, okay, Santana might punch and break this whole parlay and just start this whole brawl, but thankfully that didn't happen. After FTR said what they had to say, Sammy Guevara got the microphone from Tony Schiavone and he told um, the Pinnacle that he's starting first in Blood and Guts and that the Pinnacle will be having the advantage. And the advantage in Blood and Guts is that In the beginning of the match, it will be two guys, one guy from each opposing team. So in the beginning of this match, we know it's going to be Sammy going against somebody of the pinnacle. After five minutes have concluded, a member of pinnacle will be getting into the ring. So now it will be two versus one. So it will be two members of pinnacle going against Sammy Guevara. And then after five minutes have passed, you have a member of inner circle. So now you have two versus two. That's the advantage. The, if the Pinnacle will be getting a one-man head start into the match, while the Pinnacle will have the, one of their guys outside of the ring until the five-minute is in. So at this time, you're basically going to get five members of Pinnacle going against four members of Inner Circle, and Pinnacle can do some nasty, dirty things while that one member of the Inner Circle is basically on the outside of the ring until those five minutes have basically passed. That's the advantage. Sammy Guevara told them that, listen, you guys can have the advantage. I'm going to beat you guys up and there's nothing you could do about it. And Santana got on the mic and told him, listen, we've been locked up. You boys haven't. We know what it's like to be around and surrounded by cages. So whenever this whole Blood and Guts thing happened, prepare for blood because we're ready to die for this. Jericho ends up ending the segment by telling mjf point blank that listen me and my boys right here at the inner circle we have been family since day one of aew straight up while you mjf just met these guys what a couple months ago you guys are not a world oil machine like me and the inner circle and that blood and guts for you to want to take this crown off my head you guys are going to have to kill us or make one of us surrender. You're not going to be able to beat us. No, you're going to have to kill us or make one of us surrender. Go and look up on YouTube just to see the promo, and you understand the intensity and that they're trying to build up one last time for next week's um, Blood and Guts on AEW Dynamite. I promise you, it's going. To, it's that next week's match. I have a feeling that TNT is going to let them just have free reign of them just blowing out with mad blood and I see a lot of participants in the match next week just being bloody so I'm telling you right now if that's your thing prepare for AEW Blood and Guts to basically live up to the name next week Blood and Guts especially the blood after this match well after this segment you had commercial break, and then they come back for commercial. Michael Nakazawa's in the ring, and he's ready for Eddie Kingston to come out. Eddie Kingston comes out in his ring gear, and he, cigar- and he has a mic in his hand. And he says, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Give me Kenny out here. And he tells Nakazawa, listen, I understand. what You're a little stooge or anything, but you need to get out of here. I'm not, I'm not dealing with you. And he starts. Uh, Kingston turns his head to the... Uh, entrance and he says, "Okay, where's Kenny? Where's Kenny?" And Michael Nakazawa ends up hitting Kingston from behind the back with the laptop, and that wakes Kingston up. And Kingston just starts beating up on Michael Nakazawa. He hits Nakazawa with a back fist, and then he hits with a uh, back suplex. And he grabs a mic and tells Kenny to come out to the ring. Come out to the ring. Come on, Kenny. I know you're back there. Come on, come out here come out here and Kenny ends up coming out to the ring coming out from backstage and he says listen we have more than one stooge and he calls out Brandon Color to come out and while he's calling out for Brandon Color to come out Eddie Kingston has a chair on Nakazawa's ankle and he has threatened to break Nakazawa's ankle. Kenny calls for Brandon to come out Brandon gets thrown out and his shirt is kind of tore and his jacket is open up and Kenny saying, oh, no. And he knows that John Moxley is coming out of that tunnel to start beating him up. And that's exactly what happens. John Moxley comes out the tunnel, starts beating him up. Nakazawa gets rolled out of the ring by Kingston. And now you have Kenny and Michael Nakazawa in the ring. Kenny is getting choked out. No, nope, I'm sorry. Nakazawa has been thrown out of the ring. Kenny is in the ring now with Kingston and Moxley. Moxley applies the sleeper hold to Omega. And he is choking him out. And you see Omega start turning a couple shades of red here. And Kingston has to tell him, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let go, let go. Moxley's reluctant and he looks at Kingston. And Kingsley, like, trust me, let go. Moxley lets go of the chokehold, And Kingston puts the chair now around Kenny's ankle. And he starts looking at Don. And he tells Don, we want a match with Kenny can, and Dawson, all right, all right, all right, all right. You got it. You got it. Don't do nothing to Kenny. Don't don't break his ankle. Don't break his ankle. Kingston tells Moxley, tell him what we want. Tell him what we want. And Moxley tells him that next week we want Michael Nakazawa and Kenny Omega in the ring next week. And Don. Tells them that, listen, you guys got it. I had to pull a couple strings, but you guys got it. You guys got your match just like like Kenny Go. You guys break his ankle. There will be no match. Let it go. Let him go. So Kingston and Moxley ends up letting Kenny Go. They don't break his ankle. They walk out of the ring, and that ends that segment. Now you have Taz backstage, and he has an interview. And as he's being interviewed, he's interrupted by Christian Cage, Christian tells Taz that, listen, you used to be a feared competitor back in the day. You used to be choking people out. You used to talk the talk and walk the walk. But now you still talk the talk, but you can't walk the walk. Now you have all these guys that are bona fide superstars down the line. And whenever they do become superstars, you'll be right there clinging on to that fame of theirs and trying to make it as that's you, you did that, this is all because of you, and one day, Christian To said this, hopefully one day these kids will become smart enough to realize that they don't need you around, and he told Taz, listen, you're just more upset because I quit the business because of injuries, but I was able to come back years later, and I'm still able to wrestle now, while you, you're not able to wrestle you were once the baddest guy, but now you're just a guy that talks. So now you're mad at me because I'm able to talk and wrestle, something that you can't do. So we're more likely going to get somewhere down the line. Taz is going to be choking out Christian Cage. Somewhere down the line in a couple weeks, I have the sense, sixth sense that's happening. After this segment, you have Penelope Ford with Kit Sabian going against Chris Statlander, and in her corner, it is Orange Cassidy. So I should make this clear. It is Penelope Four versus Chris Statlander, with both of them having managers on the outside. Chris Statlander is beating Penelope Four by pinfall, and after this match, you now have the Factory, and the Factory is consisted of Q T Marshall, Nick Camerado, Aaron Solo, and the Governor, uh, Anthony Agogo. Anthony Agogo accompanies Aaron Solo, Nick. Camarado and QT Marshall to the six-man tag match. And the factory is going against Shoddy Lee Johnson, Billy Gunn, and Dustin Rhodes. The factory ends up winning this match because Anthony Gogo punches Lee Shoddy Lee in the gut and QT Marshall ends up getting the pin over Shoddy Lee. After the match, uh the factory is walking out of the ring and QT is on the stage talking and saying that he wants Cody next. He wants Cody, he wants Cody. And behind him, he is jumped by Billy Gunn's children, Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn. And when that happens, the rest of the factory runs out to make the save to QT Marshall. And now you have the factory going against the Gun Club and Billy. Uh, Shoddy Lee Johnson and Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall is walking towards this nightmare Nightmare Express tour bus. I should have said this. Let me rewind back here. Before the match starts, the factory came out of an RV that is wrapped in Nightmare Express. The Nightmare Express is Cody's tour bus. Well, his RV bus because Cody is the American Nightmare. You get the drift, Nightmare Tour, Nightmare Express, Nightmare, American Nightmare. It goes hand in hand. QT walks to the RV and on the glimpse that the camera and everybody else can see, you see Cody standing there in his jacket and the door opens up. Cody turns QT around, starts punching QT in the face. QT starts walking uh, up. Walking around the RV, they change the camera angle, and the next thing you know, QT and Cody are on top of the RV. QT, QT is put in the figure four by Cody, and QT is tapping out on top of the RV. So next week, at blood and guts, you will have Cody going against QT Marshall. I'm not sure if they're going to try to add a stipulation to this match next week, but as for right now, it is a singles one-on-one competition match. After this segment got done, you had Miro and Kip Sabian have a little altercation backstage. Miro, for the past two to three weeks, have been saying that he needs to speak to Kip Sabian, and Kip Sabian has not um, had inter- intera- any interaction or communication with Miro. So now, whenever Kip is at the arena, and he meets with Miro. Miro beats Kip down. He slams him against uh, some lockers. He punch bats. uh, Kip saving his head against some lockers. And in the end, Miro ends up punching a locker, and he brings Kip's hand to the doorway, and he tells Kip, it's time for you to pay some dues. And he slams the door on Kip's hand. And Miro, after he does this he well, he kneels over to Kip puts him and hugs him and he tells him, I forgive you I forgive you, so now we're going to be seeing down the line Kip going against Miro, but you're going to see Miro be that abusive, controlling friendly, like, listen, I want to know where you are at all times, if I say I gotta talk to you I gotta talk to you, and more likely we're gonna see Kip get scared of Miro, but he's going to end up getting courage and you'll see down the line kip versus miro somewhere down in the future that's happening and in the main event it was the tnt championship match darby allen going against dark orders 10 and darby allen pins 10 by countering a full nelson into a pinning predicament And after the match, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky attacks both Darby Allen and Sting until uh, Dark Orders 10 and Lance Archer came out to make the save. So, right now, you're starting to see probably next week, we're probably going to get Ethan Page or even Scorpio Sky going against Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. Probably not next week because it's all built up around Blood and Guts. So, probably like the week after Blood and Guts, we're going to get Scorpio Sky or Ethan Page going against Darby Allin for the TNT uh, Championship. That's my prediction on that. Now, Impact Wrestling. Scott DeMore opens up the show, and he has the whole Impact roster around the ring. He tells them, listen, Kenny Omega beat Rich Swan for the Impact Championship at Rebellion, and I'm going to read off the Rebellion uh, results right now, and boy, did I leave fat one I did was not my predictions were not good i only got three right out of the whole night and there were eight matches on the card so i only got three right and five wrong and here's what happened jordan grace and rachel ellering did beat kiera hogan and tasha seals to win the tna or sorry the impact knockouts uh tag team championships which i predicted Deanna Perrazzo beat Neil Dashwood to be and retain the Knockouts Championship, which I predicted. And Kenny Omega did beat Rich Swann to be the Impact Champion, which I did predict. But here's where the matches I did get wrong. Uh, violence by Design, with the help of Jay Morsley, or M- Morsey. Form anyway, this good guy W Morsley. This guy is formerly known as a uh, big cast of WWE fame, at least of um 2006 to 2019. No, not 2006. Sorry, 2016 through 2019. So he had a good three-year run on the main roster. There you go. Um, He came to Impact this Sunday at Rebellion to team up with Violence by Design because Eric Young was injured and is still injured. So he took the place of Eric Young to go against Saban, Chris Saban, uh, James Storm, Willie Mack, and Eddie Edwards in an eight-man tag in Violence by Design and basically Big cast beat Sabin, Edwards, Storm, and Mack. I said that Mack, Storm, and Edwards, and Sabin will beat Violence by Design. I was wrong. Josh Alexander won the X Division title. He beat TJP and Ace Austin to get the X Division championship. I predicted that Ace Austin would retain the X division championship. I was wrong in that. Brian Myers beat Matt Cardona. I said that Matt Cardona would beat Brian Myers. I yet again I was wrong. Trey Miguel beat Sammy Callahan in a last man standing match. I said Sammy Callahan will win that match. I was wrong. And Finn juice beat the Good Brothers to retain the Impact Tag Team Championships. I said the Good Brothers would win that match, I was wrong. So, getting back to Impact results of this week, Scott Demore had the roster around. He let them know that, and there's going to be three matches this week and three matches next week. And the winners of these matches will be going to their next pay per view under siege in a six man gauntlet match to be crowned the new number contender for the Impact World Championship. And the first match of that advancement was Chris Bay going against Jake Something. And Chris Bay ends up beating Jake Something by distraction from Rohit Raju. Rohit uh, held Jake's leg because Jake was about to do something to Chris Bay, which caused uh, Jake to be distracted by Rohit. And Chris Bay was able to get... Jake something in a roll up, and Chris put his legs on the rope, and that's how he got the win. And now he has advanced himself, and to be one of the six men in that six-man gauntlet at Under Siege. The next match was W. Morsley, A.K.A. formerly known as Big Cass, going against a jobber named Sam Buell. Bill Buell, sorry, Buell. Ill by pinfall, and he beat him by pinfall uh, after a power bomb. Taylor Wilde made her uh, Impact Wrestling uh, re-debut after coming out of retirement. And she beat Kimberly by submission. And then after the match, Susan attacked Taylor Wilde. But Tenille Dashwood came out to make the save for Taylor Wilde. Tenille was trying to form a partnership with Taylor Wilde so Tenille and her can go after the tag team titles. Taylor Wilde isn't interested. She's interested in the knockout championship. She told T'Neil this, but T'Neil is trying to wear down Taylor Wilde so she can agree to be her tag partner. The next match after this one was Josh Alexander defending his X Division Championship against Ace Austin, and he ends up retaining his X Division Championship by making Ace Austin submit in an ankle lock. The next match was Matt Cardona going against Brian Myers. The winner would advance to the six-man uh, gauntlet match at Under Siege. And Matt Cardona beat Brian Myers by pinfall. The next thing that happened was they showed a video package of El Fantasma. El Phantasmo, sorry. He is a New Japan guy. He is also part of the Bullet Club. So I would like to see how this is going to work. He's supposed to be coming to Impact Wrestling next week. And with Bullet Club, there's kind of a little thing here because Kenny Omega is with the Good Brothers. They mention Bullet Club from time to time because all three members were, all three, Kenny and the Good Brothers, were part of Bullet Club at one time. So it's going to be interesting to see if El Fantasmo ever interacts with the Good Brothers or Kenny Omega next week at his time in Impact Wrestling. Next thing that happened after the high package of El Phantasma, was Eddie Edwards going against Sammy Callahan, and the winner of this match will be advancing to the six man gauntlet. There was no winner of the match because the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega jumped Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards towards the end of the match, which led to Finn Juice coming out and they tried to make the save for Edwards and Callahan, but they didn't end up saving it, they just basically got their butt kicked as well, and the last images that you saw were the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega standing tall on Impact Wrestling uh, in the Impact Wrestling ring now down to Smackdown the first thing that happened was Bianca Belair opened the show, she was about to introduce the Street Profits but uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode Interrupted Bianca Belair. And then after they interrupted Bianca, the Street Profits interrupted Dolph and, uh, Robert Roode. And then after the Street Profits interrupted them, Bailey interrupted the Street Profits, and, which led to a six-person, uh, tag match. The Street Profits and Bianca Belair going against Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode and Bailey, Bianca and the Street Profits end up getting the win by pinfall. Uh, Montez Ford pins uh, Robert Roode. The next thing that happened was Day O'Brien had a backstage interview. He talked about how he's had been the underdog and this doesn't change nothing. He's hoping that he beats Cesaro tonight so that whenever he wins, he's going to give the first title opportunity to a man that's been working so hard. And his name is Cesaro. So they're kind of continuing that story right there. And all throughout the night, you had video packages from different WWE superstars giving their input for the main event of the night, Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan. Who's going to win? And um, this one, you had Seth Rollins talking about, you know what? Daniel Bryan is going to win because he's going to not... No, no, no. He says, you know what? Daniel Bryan's going to win the match and he's not going to give Cesaro the first shot at that championship because Cesaro is not going to be able to make it. And Seth Rollins ends up challenging Cesaro to a match next week in which next week you have Cesaro going against Seth Rollins. After this promo, you had Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler they were about to walk to they were backstage they were walking towards the ring but they were got blindsided by Tamina and Natalia and now you have Tamina and Natalya going against Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Naomi, not Naomi, Natalya and Tamina ends up beating Shayna and Nia by a pinfall. The match was cra- not crazy good. It was, it was alright, but just like the finish was not that great. I didn't like the finish of the match. Um, but yeah. Natalia and, and Tamina beat Sheena Baszler and Nia Jax by pinfall. The Mysterios, Ray Mysterio and Dominic and having a backstage promo. And they talked about how they want to make history being the first father-son duo in WWE to be tag team champions. And that's what they're aiming for. So we're going to see that down the line. Uh, they had Aleister Black vignette. Yet again, I have no idea what Aleister Black is trying to tell people. And personally, at this moment, I don't care, because I am just can't wait for him to get into the ring and do what he does best, hit people with quick, fast-paced kicks and punches, and basically level it off with a spinning back kick to the face and get the win. That's what I can't wait for. Um, The next thing after this VN was Big E versus Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental Championship. And Big E ends up winning... But by disqualification, because Commander, no, no, not Commander, General Aziz pulls Biggie out of the ring. He pushes Biggie into the steel post, which he has the referee call for DQ. And they roll Biggie back into the ring. And General Aziz is about to give Biggie the Nigerian nail. But Kevin Owens comes out to make the save. He beats up on Apollo and he beats up on the general. And the general is too strong. And then Big E now joins in on the helping of Kevin Owens beat up on the general. And now you have Kevin Owens and Big E beating up on the general. But the general is able to hold off on his own. He splits him apart. And now you have General messing around with Big E. And Kevin Owens is in the corner. And out of the shot of the camera's eye, you see Sammy running and hit Kevin Owens with a halluva kick. And now you have... Sami Zayn just knocked out Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is rolled out. General Aziz hits Biggie with the Nigerian nail. And now you have Apollo, General Aziz, and Sami Zayn in the ring. Sammy has the kind of championship in his hands. And Apollo tells him, Gimme that championship. Gimme my championship. And Sammy gives him the championship. He tells him, Listen, hey, we're all cool here. I'm not here for you. We're all good. He ends up raising the hands of Apollo. He raised the hands of General Aziz. General Aziz is not having any of it. He ends up Nigerian nailing um, Sami Zayn. And that's the end of that segment. Uh, What else? Oh, yeah. Now you have Paul Heyman have his backstage interview. And this is now leading up to the main event of the night. SmackDown only was basically whole focused around Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns, title versus career on SmackDown. This is what SmackDown was all revolving around. Paul Heyman's backstage. He hypes up uh Daniel Bryan by throwing out all the ac- accolades saying how he was an underdog, how he's always been the guy to be the overachiever and achieve the dreams and this and that. But is he going to be able to beat the Tribal Chief tonight? No. He's going to lose, and that's all there is to it. So now you have Daniel Bryan goes versus Roman Reigns. First thing first, Roman Reigns has a new entrance theme. I'm not sure how to feel about that entrance theme. I'll have to wait and give it about a good two to three more tries because usually that's how you know if that theme is really good. The first time, first time you can tell but this time, mm, not so much. I'm going to give it a good two or three more times and I'll see how it is. But anyway, they gave, this, they gave Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns a good 30 minutes so they can wrestle and do whatever they want. The end result is Daniel Bryan was unconscious. He got slept by Roman Reigns in the guillotine. Roman put Daniel in the guillotine. Roman uh, made Daniel Bryan go to sleep. And the referee had to ring the bell. So now Daniel Bryan has now leave SmackDown. And as the bell rung, Roman gave Roman uh, let loose of the submission. Roman went outside the ring to grab chairs. He's about to perform a concerto on Daniel Bryan. Cesaro comes out. He hits Roman with an uppercut. He sends Roman to the outside of the ring. Cesaro gets outside of the ring and hits him with a running uppercut and now he throws Roman back into the ring and now Jey Uso comes out from nowhere and blasts Cesaro behind the head and now you have Cesaro fighting against Jey Uso until Roman decks Cesaro and now he puts Cesaro in uh, in between the ropes Cesaro is tied up so now Cesaro has to watch as Roman hits Dan O'Brien with a concerto. And that's the last thing you see on SmackDown. Roman Reigns hits, Cesaro, hits Dan Bryan with a concerto. While Cesaro has to watch as his friend is now, well, basically lost. He's lost and he got hit with a chair. And now that's going to be the last memory that we will see of Dan Bryan on SmackDown. At least that's what the storyline is for us to see. We'll see within the next couple of weeks if they're going to pull something with this or whatever the case may be, but for now, this is the last time we've seen Daniel Bryan on SmackDown. He's not going to be gone from WWE. That's not happening. This is just the last time we've seen him on SmackDown because it was tied over his career on SmackDown. So there you go. That was the wrestling highlights of the week. The only things I took away from this week was that Impact did... Do a lot of things that I didn't think they would do. A.K.A. meaning my predictions. Me being completely wrong. I thought my predictions were going to be right on the money. But I was wrong. What else did I take away? Roman Reigns. New entrance theme. I got to listen to it. whenever they play it again. Because it's not nowhere right now. It's different. I'm so used to that shield entrance by now. Whenever I thought. Whatever his new entrance theme was going to be. It was going to be something different than that. From what we got, but uh, what else do we? Does I take away? Nothing else. Um, that is the wrestling news of this week for highlights. There's no more else I can tell you. There's nothing else I can just only give you all my uh, media social media handles. Now on Twitter, you can contact me and see me at at my two podcasts. Or if you search it up, it's my two cents podcast, all one word. Instagram, my two cents podcast, G2, and for business inquiries, it's my two cents pod at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening to the episode. There's no more else I can give you. I'll see you guys next Saturday with more wrestling highlights of the week. Hopefully, something interesting happens on Monday Night Raw because Monday Night Raw has been a complete downer by the love of God. But... We shall see. Everything else throughout the week has been fine. Only Monday Night Raw needs to pick up the pace and do something. But, yeah, nevertheless, I'll see you guys next week with the wrestling highlights of the week for that week. And with that, ta-ta. Farewell. I'm out. Peace. I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus,